You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sharing Socks. I am uh, Lee Ellen Duty Geezer for Southside Sox, and with me, my son, and usually West Coast correspondent, but now kind of middle of the country correspondent from, I don't know, Branson? Is that, is that where you are right now? In Tulsa. I'm in Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa. And I got Tulsa boy Dallas Keiko behind me. And what a game he pitched on uh, Tuesday. We're recording this Wednesday morning before game three of uh, the Tampa Bay series. So we don't know who won the series and ends up as the best record in baseball at the, as of uh, Wednesday afternoon. But Keiko was very sharp. He's been sharp now a few times. I mean, I think we had talked uh, on the show several times about you know, Keiko's kind of shaky. And he was. Uh, but he seems to have gotten it back. Now, we'll hope he hasn't gotten it back because he's using super glue and has to lose it again come Monday. Uh, which is going to be a very interesting day in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think what we saw from from Keiko last night was excellent. You know, he, he's looking good. I, he's throwing like you want your number two to be throwing. Um, he's certainly looking like a guy you could hand the ball to in the playoffs at this point. And, yeah, I was thrilled to, to see that outing. That was such a great outing from Keuchel. And, I mean, this rotation is just unbelievable. It's It's been great. Now, your your favorite, uh, Dylan Cease, had a brilliant game, but it was against the Tigers. <laughs> I love Cease. Cease's career, his career over three seasons, he's 14 and 13. 
He's 8-0 and against the Tigers. Of his career, 14 wins, 8 are against the Tigers. I mean, we played the Tigers 19 times, so I don't get why we That's don't. That's good. And it we seems so far this year like we've already played him 104 times, so it's even better. We should just start all 19 against the Tigers. And, uh, yeah, not- there's no indication he needs rest. Yeah, <laughs> he just cruises through. Nineteen and zero. That'd be a great season. He's looking at a Cy Young if he only pitches against Detroit. Although most people, uh, but all of the starters have, have looked great. And then the big question now is uh, keeping them healthy and hoping that they are not involved with a sticky substance problem, so that something disappears on Monday. And it's interesting. Uh, some stats have already been done on how much change there has been. Since just since they announced they were going to look at it, uh, that spin rates are down 10%, batting averages are up almost 10%. You couldn't tell by the, the Sox Tampa Bay series, but that was very good pitching on both both teams that, that kept on them. They only scored between the two teams 10 runs in two days, and some of those were gifts. The Sox were very lucky on Tuesday night to come up with a catcher who decided to play um, cricket. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. Um, the first two runs were just handed to us, but since they didn't score at all, that doesn't matter. Uh, Adam Engel did it. Yeah, I mean the the thing about the the substances or whatnot is the good pitchers are still going to be good. So it's it's not like taking away the the super tack or whatever it's called is is going to make the good pitchers bad. Um, so we should still see you know, four to two baseball games. It's not like that is going to erase itself. It's just the pitchers that aren't great who are great because they're using super tack is what we have to kind of keep an eye on. Um, and Rodon, of course, is very spoke up very much. And, of course, Tyler Glass now, um, very vocal. He's he's blaming the the change in the rules for his injury, which... Uh, he does also say, you know, I also do it because I throw 100 miles an hour, um, which is a pretty important detail as to why you <laughs> might need Tommy John surgery. Uh, and But I also get his frustration of saying, you know, if you're going to do this, do this in the off season. But if you're taking away all substances now, you know, we have not prepared to throw like that. Um, that being said, I have zero sympathy for this whole the ball is dusty thing. Um, that a lot of pitchers are saying, you know, you never know which ball will be dusty. They rub it with the mud and you never, and I'm like, that's just the game. That's the game. No one ever said that this ball is going to be sticky for you. It's just not what happened. I, I pitched for years. I didn't throw that fast. Uh, but I threw a lot of breaking pitches and I never once had a substance on my hand. I never once thought, oh, this ball is no good. I'm not going to be able to throw it. Um, it's a little bit of a covering for for you know cheating a little bit, but uh, it, I I kind of agree with Glass now that going from uh, everything's allowed pretty much to nothing um, is probably going to be pretty challenging. That said, these are Major League Baseball players getting paid millions of dollars. If you cannot throw the ball 100 miles an hour safely without that stuff then you don't throw the ball 100 miles an hour. You are not a 100-mile-an-hour pitcher. You're probably a 95-mile-an-hour pitcher, which is kind of what we are trying to get back to 
in Major League Baseball so that we don't have 17 strikeouts for one team in a game, which is just, you know, it's happening all the time. Yeah, and it's not so much the 100 miles an hour. It's it's that everything is moving three times what it used to move. The, the ball well, that used to break three inches is now breaking a foot. That It, it is the speed, though, as well, because... We've got these guys who can throw a hundred, and now they're spin. Now they're putting insane spin on a pitch that's a hundred miles an hour. You can't you can't hit that. It, it's just not possible to hit. You know, we talked about this last week, as Josh Donaldson said. You know, that is performance enhancing. If you can throw a hundred mile an hour pitch that drops three feet off the plate, that's performance enhancing, and the hitters are at an they are at a disadvantage. If you and are the to- game is at a disadvantage. The, the oh, game. Yeah becomes incredibly dull. While we're talking spin rate, quickly, I, I should mention a promo for next week. We are not just going to be blathering as usual. Next week, we are going to have as our guest on this very show, Dr. Alan Nathan, who is a professor emeritus of physics at the University of Illinois, and one of the, if not the foremost expert in the world on baseball physics. And he's recently written a piece on spin rates. He's been a specialist on the baseball itself. He's written books. He's written, and he's he just won the big award from Saber this year for contributions to baseball. Uh, really looking forward to next week and Dr. Nathan and just on our little exchange of emails I've had with him. Seems like a nice guy, ready to go and and chat. So that should be a fascinating to have him on two days after that rule goes into effect. Oh, I mean, it's a, we. You can't have a smarter guy about this stuff. So no, I'm no way. Really, really looking forward to to the conversation with him. I mean, he's he's gonna definitely have many thoughts about this and many theories, and he tests a lot of theories um, revolving yes. on how it moves. So yeah, that's gonna be a real treat. Um, let's talk for a second about Carlos Rodon calling out the commissioner. Uh, for not punishing the Astros, but offering up 10-day suspensions uh, for if you use sticky tack. Rodon obviously upset about it. I, too, uh, am upset about it. And I think, and, and I'm not upset with with the punishments for the people who are using tack now, but it is insane that the Astros got away with everything, essentially. And now... Yeah. You're a pitcher who has sunscreen on the ball. You're looking, or or a team with a pitcher, because now I think I read correctly. If if a pitcher goes out because of using that stuff, you can't replace them. Yeah, which I think it's a good thing. It I, is. I think it's a very good thing because they didn't get in a fight, and I understand Manfred not wanting the fight with the union. So if a player gets suspended on this, he gets paid. Yeah. But the team gets, and I, we had talked last week, we said, well, the team's got to be punished somehow. We, we were talking about, you forfeit the game, it's gone. Uh, Which is, this is a punishment. And, and it's, it's true, we now have a 26-man roster instead of a 25, which was just two years ago. But every time you lose a player, a slot off that roster, it hurts the team. You're, you're going to be down. Uh, you can't bring up uh, presumably a starter from the minors that that you want to put into the rotation. You're going to end up with a bullpen day that you didn't want. Uh, if it's a starter, we're talking about. Uh, you'll be one down in the in the bullpen. Others. And at any rate, it's a punishment that hurts the whole team. So there's reason for it. The owners, the general manager, the manager, the coaches, and the teammates. 
yeah. uh, to try to keep the, the pitchers clean. Absolutely. I, I mean, it holds sort of everyone accountable. And that is what we our, ours was extreme on uh, forfeit the game immediately. Uh, but this is kind of an interesting, realistic punishment for it. Uh, obvi- as you said, you know, going from 26 to 25 really shouldn't seem that dramatic because it was 25 for years and years and years. But uh, that being said, people use bullpens a lot more now. Starters don't go as far into games. So when you lose either a starter or a reliever, you know, it, it can be highly problematic. You know, if you if you lose that bullpen guy and the next game your starter's getting beat up in the third, well, that is going to have an impact on the entire team. And, and we have a greater chance that your starter will be beaten up in the third because he can't put the stick on the ball anymore to get the big spin rate, to get the big drop on his slider. So uh, a lot of, lot of different things are going to happen in here, and it's going to be an interesting change in the game. Yeah, and I, I, do, think that, I do think that these rules do need to be enforced. I, I firmly agree that what is happening is is hurting the game and when you can if your argument is you know i can't grip the ball well enough to throw my 101 mile an hour sinker um i think i don't have sympathy for you you know you you're not supposed to be this super being that can do these things you're supposed to throw the ball you're given and try to get the guy out and you know as you said uh a little earlier spin rates are down already and batting averages are up already so that tells you that a lot of people were doing this <laughs> and that it was presenting an unfair advantage to the pitchers i fortunately think the white Sox are not going to be huge culprits in this um, so. and i think uh like you you were saying let's hope dallas keichel doesn't go downhill after this Keuchel does not throw in a way that makes me think he uses anything. Um, no. Just because he is, he's like a mid-90s style pitcher, if anything. Um, and so I I would highly doubt that Keuchel's doing it. I don't see it in Giolito's work either. You know, you got a, a change-up guy. Um, I, I don't really see it. My, my big concern would be Rodon slider, maybe Cease's curveball. Um that being said, I, I don't really ever see Rodon reaching for any spots uh, on his body. You know, you see Cease tug his belt a lot, but I think it might just be ill-fitting pants. Um, <laughs> and I just want to say, I, I really think people, you know, Garrett Crochet, who is so young, and I feel like he really has his head on right about what he needs to do to have his long career, which is, you know, he's been vocal in saying, like, I... I don't think I can have a career if I go out trying to throw 101 every day. He's like, I need to learn how to win, and I need to learn how to throw at 95, 96 so that I can be healthy. And I think that is really important. I think he's his head's in the right place. I think if Garrett Crochet becomes our 102-mile-an-hour guy, we, we don't have him very long. You know, the, the, the forearms just get torn up at these speeds. And I'm thrilled that he is working on adjusting his technique to accommodate a, a longer, healthier career. There's nothing that says that if you throw 95, you're not going to be a good pitcher. You know, we don't need guys throwing 100, 101, throwing that high heat. 
you can throw 89 and get guys out just as well, which we saw from Keiko last night. Uh, and and Mark Burley for years and years. And, of course, the greats, you know, Greg Maddox. You know, Greg Maddox was, never, you know, occasionally he's, he'd throw low 90s. But, uh, you know, he was never blowing guys away. And these are some of the greatest pitchers of all time. And even Randy Johnson, who was a hard thrower, uh, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily every single pitch was an attempt at hitting 102. He was still a pitcher. We got to get out of this, this, you know, we need the grip so we can throw extra hard. No, don't be a thrower, be a pitcher. This is something we've talked about before on this podcast. Don't be a thrower, be a pitcher. And if you're out there using substances so that you can throw harder or you can throw with a spin that is not natural for a human to be able to put on something, you're throwing. You're not pitching. You're trying to cheat the system. And it was working. We saw it. Batting averages plummeted. This has been a very, very boring year uh, in terms of strikeouts and home runs. Uh and uh, I really think that this could make a huge difference. And I I applaud for the first time ever, maybe, the commissioner for putting in some really <laughs> strong rules here. That being said, still shame, 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 shame on him that those Houston Astros still get to play baseball. And now these pitchers are going to be. They're going to be doing it against the White Sox for the next four days. Uh, yeah. Thursday through Sunday should be an interesting series. Uh, and Dylan Cease, I believe, has the first game of that. Uh, pitching not against Detroit, so we'll see how he does on, on that well, particular no, set. Tampa Bay's offense isn't necessarily explosive, so it, it, it is a team that – or, no, we're, you're talking about he's Sorry, got Houston game. Yeah, uh, yeah that is <laughs> – that's a different story. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Altuve is, is as hot as you can possibly be right now. I think he's got – you know, six homers in the last seven games or something like that. So it'll be interesting to find out what way they're cheating currently. Uh, we'll probably find out towards the end of the season. Uh, no, they, I'm sure the Astros are clean now. They've got to be the cleanest of the clean because they, they know where they're headed if they're That's not. Right. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, we've been chatting for, for a little bit about this. Uh, and when we come back, uh, what, what do you want to talk about? Uh, Nick Madrigal and what we do. I figured. All right. So uh, we will be right back to discuss Nikki two strikes, who unfortunately got a third strike this week going into surgery, um, which is a real bummer. And we will discuss our options in just a moment on sharing socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder welcome back to sharing socks uh we have uh, dissected a little bit of the the pitching stuff which again we'll we'll pump up our guests for next week we are going to have a very special guest next week to talk about the baseball itself and also uh the spin rate right after these rules go into effect do not miss next week's episode uh i would say far and away it should be our most interesting episode ever i, I would think so yeah because this guy sounds a lot more interesting than me uh and no offense to you so uh <laughs> I, I think it'll be good but let's talk about nick madrigal yesterday was a really bad day for Sox fans uh 
so Nick, yeah, the word came out yesterday that Nick is out for the season. Of course, we knew he was going to be out for quite a while because he'd been on the 60-day IL for uh, most of the week. Uh, so now he's gone. So what do you do? Now, and an interesting alignment of things to do. And I think, first of all, the Sox will win the AL Central, whether it is Danny Mendick out there at second base or Leury Garcia at second base, or they pick a fan out of the stands at random and put at second base. You put Yermin at second base. It doesn't matter. The rest of the division is so incredibly bad that they're still going to win. Unless, and, and, you know, unless, unless our pitchers, because the baseball is now slippery, go out. If we, lo- if we lose a couple, even one starting pitcher probably for the season, then all of a sudden it's very competitive. Well, and, and aside from the tax stuff, you know, injuries to pitchers are very well, pitchers, and you're going to have it. You're going to have a starting pitcher injured. You're going to have more than one starting pitcher. And it's just going to, it depends how severe they are and how long they have to be out. It's just the nature of, of baseball these days, whether that's not even major leagues, it's, it's, it's anywhere. Uh, I, I took a class at the university of Dayton from the baseball coach, Tony, What's, what's Tony's last name? He coached. You, you went to a summer camp. Uh, a very, very Italian last name. It's not Figaro, yes. but it's something like that. <laughs> uh, and a fine, and a fine baseball coach. And uh, and this was a semester long coaching coach baseball D. class. Vittorio. Yeah, Vittorio. Vittorio. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Tony, great guy. And and one point discussing pitching, and I and I said, what if anything can you do about pitcher injuries because you get into this thing about you know younger kids throwing uh breaking pitches and so forth and he said really with pitchers he says it's it's not nice to say but the question isn't will they get injured it's when will they get injured yeah it's, it's how just bad. where then with the pitching is and how soon do they come back anyhow we're not talking pitchers now we're talking uh second baseman there is a rumor around i don't know if it has any truth that the that the uh, Sox are talking with the Diamondbacks about Eduardo Escobar, who is only a 240 hitter at the moment, but has 15 home runs already. Yeah. Uh, he certainly put some juice into the second base slot if he was out there. Because I think he was even originally a White Sox draftee. He started his career with the Sox. Uh, so it'd be homecoming, a much better homecoming at home than, than Adam Eaton, who if he wanted to you know, just go home and that'd be fine with me. Uh, Escobar is, and, and, and of course, the people that you took, the commenters on, on our site and, uh, and other sites go, how about uh, Adam Frazier? Well, yeah, <laughs> be nice. Would you like to give Pittsburgh our entire <laughs> farm system? And yeah. they can pick from that. Uh, and the same yeah. kind of thing with Kettle Marte. Frazier, if you want Adam Frazier, you're going to have to make the cold-blooded move of trading Nick Madrigal while he's hurt, uh, which, you know, we are a pretty horribly run organization, so I wouldn't put it past us, but I, I don't see Frazier as a realistic option in any way. Uh, he's gonna... Frazier's also not a total loner because he's, he's got another year. Uh, so, and presumably Madrigal's, Madrigal's going to be back. So we don't really need somebody for a year and a half. We need somebody for this two-thirds, I guess it is, of a year. Uh, another name than Marte. Marte is under contract for four years, uh, two plus a couple of team options. Uh, 
Plus, these guys were in the in the fairly high millions of dollars. So the Frazier's only at 4.3 million at this point. Yeah. Uh, Escobar is at 7.7 .7 million, and I know Jerry would not like to spend that money replacing uh, Madrigal, who, as a rookie, was down at near the minimum wage uh, level, minimum wage for a major league baseball player. Um, so those are options they're looking at there. And we wouldn't be paying him 7.7 .7 million, though. We'd be we'd be paying him the prorated. Yeah, Five million or so, and yeah. and and Escobar is a free agent at the end of the year, so it's it's a true rental. Uh, and the question is what what you can get away with giving to uh, Arizona in in return. Uh, internally, uh, you've got uh, and I want to I'm peering over here at some things that that I wrote down. Mendick uh, is not a great hitter. You know, he's hitting two twenty nine. This is before last night's game that I took all these notes. Uh, 237 against righties and 219 against uh, lefties. Actually, hits righties a little bit better. Um, Leury, we know, hits righties better. 252 with a 641 ops versus 231 and just a 576 on base plus slugging um, and an ops plus of, of just 72. So those are those are not hitting options. Either one can handle the position. Yeah. Uh, and we, I know we've thrown Mendick into the outfield some. Uh, we, of course, Leury can play just about anywhere. Uh, I don't know that we need that outfield option. I, I absolutely don't understand why Adam Engel was not in the game on, on Monday night in, instead of Andrew Vaughn, who cannot hit right-handed pitching. Vaughn is 188 with a 498 ops against right-handers. He can't hit them. No. Uh, he should not be playing against right-handers but the with uh angle there angles your best fielder uh the newcomer i mean brian goodwin he's very very small sample size but he's been fantastic in the few games he's been up he is fairly balanced uh left and right very balanced left and right as his angle i mean goodwin uh, goodwin is is very much in the we have no clue how this is really going to pan out thing absolutely um, however you know, sometimes it just takes that move from a garbage team to a winning team to bring out the best in a guy. And and Goodwin, you know, it, at least in terms of the intangibles, feels like a White Sox player. You know, he, he's got great energy, seems to love the game. He seems to be excited to be playing for the White Sox, be playing in Chicago. Um, I mean, it, so far, he has been absolutely far better than anyone expected that could go away immediately but it also could hold up for the season i mean you never know when you when you change guys from from a bum deal to to a great situation in terms of like uh potentially going to a world series winning a world series it can energize these guys in a, in a different way and I, I realize they're getting paid millions they should always be energized but that's just not human nature if you're playing for a team that should be in the minors, you're never going to feel that excited. Uh, and now he's on a, a, a truly good baseball team. So I don't expect it to completely fall off, uh, but I also don't expect it to stay as good as it's been. No, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I know it's hitting 900 with socks or something, but yeah, no, they can't be. But but I can see with, with right-handed pitching that you have good one, and Angle, and I guess Eaton. I wish Eaton wasn't even on the team. I I, I just wish he wasn't there. 
uh, and he's producing nothing. But against let you can't leave him in the left-handers at all. But I, I would say I'd say against left-handed pitching, Vaughn, Angle, Garcia, Mendick at second base. Against right-handed pitching, now you bring Goodwin in uh, and Angle. And Garcia, I think, goes right. I mean, I, I just don't want to play Eaton. But I guess against right-handers, you can play Eaton for a little while longer. So well, we spent $9 million on this guy. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe I, he'll uh, do something. I mean, that, that contract ended up being a little worse than we even predicted. Um, I definitely expected he, that to be a really bad contract. Uh, but it's worse. It's worse. He is He is pathetic out there. And, yes, occasionally he comes up with a big hit. Um, but I'm not really interested in a guy who's going to get a hit once every 12 at-bats. You know, that's it's not interesting to me, and he's not making up for it in the way that Grandal does by walking uh, 83% of the time. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I Eaton is such a big problem. I mean, I, I text uh, a couple of our other Southside Soxers, Bill Mankey and uh, Rob Coletti, uh, almost every day that it's time to uh, DFA Adam Eaton, which would, I think, mean the end of Adam Eaton's career. He would not accept that assignment, and he would throw a fit, and then he would be out of baseball. Uh, uh, yeah, and I, it is not the nature of the White Sox to absorb the rest of an eight-something million dollar, it's a close to nine million dollar, I think, salary. They're not going to eat it. They're going to they're keep him out there for whatever pathetic reason they have. Uh, speaking of people downhill, uh, your mean Mercedes looking extremely human, still yeah. hitting left-handers very well. And the old uh, 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 White Sox thing to, to hit lefties very well. And then he's hitting him like 370 something, or was until not hitting uh, Tuesday night. But right-handers, he's down to about 250, and uh, it's it's looking normal. You know, was he a flash in the pan? Uh, does he have to make an adjustment to adjustments the pitchers have made to him? Um, I think the equally important to Mercedes himself is what the impact is on Jose. Because we're back to this thing with, with Jose Abreu where he thinks he's got to do it. So if it comes to him, he's swinging at pretty darn near everything. Yeah. That's, that's when he's not the superstar MVP. He was MVP last year because he had people like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez behind him. He didn't feel he needed to do it all. He doesn't feel he needed to do it all. He does it all. Um, I, I, I think maybe uh, Luis is going to have to switch around and put Moncada behind Abreu again. Or unless we get somebody like Escobar with 15 homers can go into that number five slot. Right now, we don't have a number five hitter because Mercedes being, we hope, just in the slump, but maybe just. Well, what, the problem we're seeing with your mean and also with Jose is plate discipline against right-handed pitching has completely gone away. The thing that, that your mean was doing so well early on was not chasing against right-handed pitchers. You know, Absolutely. he was so energetic in the box. And, you know, he would follow the ball with his eyes almost within a couple inches to, to, to watch that thing go in. And he would be down on the ground squatting a lot of the time. He was so energized up there. And it led to a really surprisingly great plate discipline. Uh, and that is gone. He is now, he is now, if you throw him the slider, 
It can be eight feet out, and he's just swinging. And Jose is doing the exact same thing. Jose is going up thinking home run or bust, and it that's just not going to work for him. It never has. Uh, and the, the real downside is neither of them need to be playing this way because this team still has stellar hitters in the lineup. If you have Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson in your lineup, no one person has to do it all. Like, that is still a... a terrifying group of hitters to face even without Aloy and without Robert and we do have to remember that theoretically we're going to get both of them back so there is no need for this we got to do it all thing right now when you're in first place in the division you've got a lead you're probably going to do well in the division no matter what so just manufacture runs go back to what you were doing Uh, because right now they are chasing I mean, I would not throw either of them anything but a slider off the outside of the plate. I I just would not even, I would not entertain a fastball to either of them. I would just, I would not even throw a strike to either of them anytime soon. It's really nasty, the plate discipline that, that those two have done. And for your mean, that will be his death sentence for his career. The reason your mean was hitting 400 was he was not swinging at anything out of the zone early on so then what happens when you don't swing at that well they got to give you that fastball around the belt at some point and then you're going to hit 400 if you're guaranteed to see a fastball at the belt at some point or a hanging curveball or something like that but right now i mean i i would if i was three and oh somehow against your mean i would throw only sliders you know it's just it's it's really bad and you know, he went on that slump, and I think that this is all after effects of a slump for a guy who hasn't been in the show very long. He went on a slump, and his thought is, I got to go up there, and I got to hit. I got to hit. I got to swing. I got to get back to the Yerminator. And as soon as a pitcher sees that energy, they're not going to throw you a strike. They're not going to throw you a pitch to hit at all because they just know. They know that you're desperate to get back to that unrealistic mark there's no reason your mean shouldn't be a 300 hitter we can we know he can hit major league pitching but he can't do it if he's not going to wait for strikes it was uh steve stone had said uh in the last couple games has said that he thinks that what your mean needs to do is to pretend there are two strikes when he goes to bat because he he had the deal he has the, he has that big front foot lift uh, and then when he gets two strikes, he doesn't do that. It's it's almost without a step, maybe a tiny step that he takes and becomes a very effective two-strike hitter. Um, that while he's in the slump until he comes out, that he should just forget the big kick and everything. And just because he's stronger in hell, he, he doesn't have to be swinging with his feet coming off the ground as he turns around and his hat falling off. Uh, he can He can hit it really hard. No, uh, just a, a nice even swing. He can hit it 400 feet on his on his two strike swing. You know, he's the guy is a tank. Uh, I totally agree with that. I mean, the and and that's the thing. If he does shorten up like that and start being more disciplined at the plate and start slapping hits again, then the pitchers have to throw him fastballs in the zone. And then you get to go back to your big leg kick because you know you're going to see a fastball in the first two pitches. And then you can try to hit the ball to outer space again. But 
what he's doing right now is trying to hit the ball to outer space on sliders that are landing closer to first base than home plate. And that's just too easy for a major league pitcher to know what to do with you when you're, when you're batting like that, he needs to shorten it up. He's got to shorten it up. If he wants any chance of breaking out of this slump, I can't blame LaRusse entirely for this slump, but it did all go downhill after the three O's started. And you can see it in his mentality at the plate. He is not ferocious at the plate right now. He is not bouncing with the same energy. He shouldn't be tired. He doesn't play the field. He's a DH. He should not be worn out in June. Uh, so I think it's mental. And he really needs to shorten up, get some hits, so that pitchers have to throw him the pitches he wants to see to uh, get that leg kick going again and bring back the Yerminator. Uh, I don't know if it will happen. You know, I, I hate to say it. I love Yermina. I hope he's amazing. But there's a reason he wasn't in the show for 10 years. And they have found the weakness. And we are seeing it, you know, like you do anytime someone comes up and they start mashing. It just takes a few few times around for teams to realize what you can't hit or what's bugging you mentally or how they can mess with you. And now everyone's got your means number. And then because they have your means number, they now have a Brayu's number because a Brayu thinks, well, your means not going to do it anymore. So I got to do it. So now Abreu is swinging at pitches that are way outside of the zone. I think you're right that they're going to have to put Moncada behind him for that to change. Uh, or have somebody else get hot. But I, I don't know who out of the current lineup, well, while many are perfectly good hitters, is, is the kind of hitter that Abreu would think, well, if I can just poke one to right field, somebody's going to drive me in. Right. And, you know, of course, we, we did fortunately get some, you know, fairly good news about Aloy this this past week. That, yes. That he is on track um, and knock on wood and sending Aloy all the good vibes. We want you back as soon as possible. Your mean was, I mean, you can't ask for more from the guy as someone who wasn't going to make this team and then come in and, and give us a reason to all be super excited for the first month or two of baseball. Uh, but Aloy is still absolutely the superior hitter of the two of them. And you do not hesitate for a second when Aloy comes back to put him in that DH spot. And because and of, I think he has to DH because of the injury, I think we do not see Aloy play the field in 2021. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, well, for numerous reasons. For, for numerous reasons, you know, Aloy is a bad fielder, but you could get away with it. But I think the main thing is you don't play him out there because he is going to go for the ball. And he's going to, you can't risk him getting hurt again. I mean, it jeopardizes his career if you put him in the field this year. So I think there's just no way that you do it. And I think fortunately, this is the one scenario where Eloy would understand why he's not playing. Right. You're not, you're not doing great damage to his ego this year. Right. Uh, by putting him in the DH slot. It's I easy to true. say, look, we'll try to get you out there next year. But this year, we just can't do it because we need your bat. And you can't argue with that. And, you know, he's going to be in the lineup as soon as he's cleared. There is no way he won't be. And then hopefully we get some good news about Luis Robert right now. It's just crazy the people who aren't playing for the White Sox right now. You know, the fact that we're in first place, I preach this a lot on Twitter. It's like 
you, you guys, this is just kind of like a, an alternate spring training lineup that we're throwing out there every day. Once we get this at full force, which we won't get totally to full force because we did lose Madrigal for the whole year. But if we get Jimenez back, which it looks like we will, Robert, we still don't have a lot of word on, um, but let's hope for September for him. Uh, I mean, come on. If, if even three of our starters stay this hot when those guys come back. Well, right. You know, we talk about the injuries that, that the Sox have had, and I think every team has had major injuries, some of them much worse than ours, even though ours are bad. On the hitting side, we have been very fortunate on the pitching side. We really haven't had, I think, uh, I think Lance missed one turn. Uh, we really have not had problems with injuries to pitchers, and those are inevitably going to come. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's shocking to me on June 16th that we we have not had to have serious conversations about pitchers and just sending all the good vibes. I want these guys to stay healthy for so many reasons. Number one for them, they're pitching so well. They deserve to get to play this season. They are, they are the ones leading this team to the playoffs. And I really hope all five of them stay healthy this year uh, and, and make it all the way. And then I hope we get Kopech uh, feeling a hundred percent shortly as well. And, you know, Crochet is looking very good. He gave up a... Yeah, I guess, I'm you know, sorry, I, I guess Kopech, I did. It wasn't, uh, since Michael was not in the rotation, I was thinking starting pitches. But, yeah, that that's an important injury. But it doesn't look like he's going to be uh, out for a, a severe length of time. No, no, it doesn't. And, and that's very fortunate because he is going to be a key piece for this team late in the season, uh, especially as these five starters get tired. I mean, we're essentially going to have a, a a very good number two or number three starting pitcher come back to this team and potentially be full speed around the time that our starters are going to start getting really tired. That is an incredible advantage if they can all stay healthy, uh, especially with our bullpen that has been underachieving in a lot of ways outside of Hendricks, who's been pretty great. Um, very great. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, but we should, we should call it there. We have been babbling long enough about this. Um, again, next week, do not miss it. Uh, g- give us the, the rundown on this fellow one more time before we sign. Uh, Dr. Alan Nathan, professor emeritus of physics, university of Illinois, uh, this year's winner of, I forget the name of the award, but Sabres Award for Contributions to Baseball, one of the, if not the world's greatest expert on the physics of the game of baseball, the baseball itself and, and everything that goes along with it, written, written books, written papers. Uh, I mean, it just, this, this guy is no stuff, which we don't. For all of our listeners out there who like to talk about how stupid I am or how stupid you are, uh, next week we're going to prove that you're right, and uh, it's going to be a true delight to be outsmarted by our guest. Uh, I, I can't wait. It's it's just going to be so cool. Um, but that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.